I'm feeling we're about to embark upon a most unprecedented expedition. Oh, oh, oh. Welcome to hell. We got totally lied to by our album covers, man. It's the Grim Reaper, dude. How's it hanging, Dad? It was you, though. I must see to it that you die. Excuse us, dude, but is there any way we can get back? You may challenge me to a contest. J7. You have sunk my battleship. Excellent! Best two out of three. What? Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Sleezoids, the podcast where we go down the rabbit hole of 20th century genre fare from the most influential canon classics to the trashiest exploitation films we can get our hands on and invite you to tag along in helping us create a canon of sleaze. Each week is a double feature grindhouse style where we discuss two films loosely related by subject, genre, actor, filmmaker, or franchise. And at the end of each episode, along with our honorary Sleezoids, which you can become by subscribing on Patreon. Do it. We decide, that's a little forceful, we decide on all the official ratings and rankings for every film. That we cover. Patreon subscribers also get an on-air shout-out and two bonus episodes every single month, which we have been doing for a year and a half yeah. now. So, so many episodes. there's 30 or 40 bonus episodes waiting for you guys. If you haven't made the jump yet, we recommend doing that. And speaking and of which... we started doing uh, oh. some newer films. Oh, yeah, too. and we got some bonus transmissions going where we've been talking about some new genre films, and a lot yeah. of our uh, patrons have been digging those as well. Yeah, we recently uh, Speaking did of which, a as a result, uh, we have, I think, four or five new patrons this week. So we have Ben... Welcome, Ben. Thank uh, you, ben. I think he follows us on Letterboxd, and he has very good taste. Sometimes I, I steal taste from him. I oh, actually nice. do follow him. So welcome, <laughs> ben. ben. Welcome to the show. Uh, let us know if you got any recommendations. We also have Dan Baker, um, who's been a longtime listener, finally made the jump. He's been going back through all the op- episodes and commenting on uh, a few of them. So welcome, oh, nice. Dan. Uh, and then we have some returning guys. We got Poonan, and we got Kyle Lewis uh, coming back um, Thank you guys. to get those bonus transmissions, I think. So anyway... We snagged you back. Thanks to you guys for uh, being patrons. Uh, and what's the other plug? Oh, yeah, iTunes. If you guys are listening on iTunes and you guys have been digging the show, give us a good old rating and review over there. Please do. It really helps us out. We helps us find new listeners, and we appreciate that as well as your patronage. Um, that's it for the plugs. Uh, welcome back for another week. I'm your host, Josh Lewis, and joining me as always... Jamie Miller, welcome back. My co-host. Two weeks ago, I think, would have been the last time you guys would have heard from us. And we would have had a uh, movie producer, a real deal movie producer yeah, cool. of uh, the films such as 2013's Your Next, 2014 The Guest. Uh, last year he did one of my favorite, he produced one of my favorite movies, 2018's Blind Spotting. Uh, and he's Fantastic doing a, a bunch movie. of other movies, including a recently announced uh, movie uh, that he's producing, which is the directorial debut of Regina King, who was just won an Oscar for her role in If Beale Street Could Talk. Right. So he came on our show and we had him on to talk uh, uh, 70s New York grit uh, heist hostage situations. Pretty niche genre, but it was Dog Day <laughs> Afternoon, 1975, Al Pacino, a movie that uh, all of us really, really loved and really felt for, especially it's um, uh, the, the soul it has in Pacino's uh, character in some of his countercultural attitudes and the violent comeuppance uh, that he, he uh, uh, is forced to uh, endure. And then the taking of Pelham 123, a little lighter, a little breezier. Yeah, the 1974 bit. original, by the way, not the Tony Scott 
remake, which I love Tony Scott though, so I have I do have to check that one yeah, out eventually. Yeah, and I'm sure Travolta's hamming Travolta's it up a little bit. <laughs> um, but yeah, so if you missed that episode two weeks ago, any podcast listener of choice, that was your last free episode. Uh, but last week for Patreon listeners, bonus listeners, we talked folk horror. Uh, with the new release of Midsummer, we realized that some people weren't as well versed in folk horror as we would have liked them to be. <laughs> yeah. um, a lot of people came out of that uh, being like, I've never seen anything like that before. Uh, <laughs> so we we knocked a big one off of our list because we'd already done a folk horror episode. I think we did the Blood on Satan's Claw and yeah, Captain Yeah, they were Chronos like real Vampire niche Heart. Yeah, real niche too, folk horror. Which was cool. Um, so we decided to knock the big one out. We did the Wicker Man 1973 and then we paired it with my personal favorite and most underrated folk horror movie, Witchfinder General from yeah. 1968 which has a, Very bleak one films. of the most brutal, like <laughs> sadistic films to come out of Britain, I think, honestly. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, so if you want some folk horror goodness, again, patreon.com slash these podcast. That was last week's episode. But this week, we have another special guest for you guys. Uh, a guy I've been following on Twitter for a long time. He is a, a, an artist and he is a Twitter personality. Many of you might know him uh, under the name Bakun. But we have Oliver Leach with us, who I asked to bring some deep cuts with them. So, Oliver, how are you doing? Howdy, boys. I'm doing good. <laughs> good to hear. Welcome. Uh, I followed well, Oliver. I see you guys had uh, Keith, Keith Calder on. Yes, we had Keith Calder. Did yeah. he talk about uh, the... Um the One Direction connection. <laughs> he did not, but I have no. been, I have been following him for long enough that I've I do it, right? know the Keith the One Direction connection. Where he has a sister who shares a name with one of the girls that one of the One Direction guys is dating or something, <laughs> which made her like enemy of the enemy know, of the massive. state. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so Keith Calder gets every once in a while he gets a burst of Directioners like assaulting him <laughs> online That's hilarious. over his sister. I'm so upset that it <laughs> he's just like wrong that. person. Yeah. <laughs> Once you've been it's on Twitter like long every enough. Every six months, there's like a sheath of like That's Brazilian hilarious. tweets about, you know, Harry, what's his name and how dare you. <laughs> it's, it's, it's fascinating. Yeah, we did not get Keith on the record about that situation, unfortunately, but I was <laughs> definitely aware of that because, man, that's been going on since like 2014 or 2013. That's how He's long been I've been on battling the good Twitter. battle. Way too goddamn it, it, It's been happening like consistently. It yeah. just keeps happening. Yeah, like twice a year for sure. <laughs> good deal. I'm starting to just look forward to it. It'd be hilarious. <laughs> but I knew I wanted to get Oliver on the show because he always posts about these great little transgressive movies, screenshots that always get me being like, man, I really should check that out. So when I, when I asked him, I was like, you really got to bring on like something that's going to like blow our minds a little bit. So, uh, he chose a 1991 double feature that I'm going to have him introduce. So Oliver, what are your two movies and why have you paired them together? Uh, absolute arbitrarily chosen. Not really. (laughs) I mean, just, I would say there's a connection. There's a a chronological connection. There's sort of a class-based, you know, world coming together, you know, end of nationalism kind of connection. Yeah. Yes, sort of of the era. Well, and I would say that they're both like pretty like ambitious and especially visually ambitious comedies. 
Oh yeah. Because there's like a weird, uh, like comic energy to both of them that, and they both also go into the realm of kind of like almost like cosmic spiritualism (laughs) in like bizarre ways. Literally. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, and they're both very visually accomplished, which I was uh, more surprised. I would say, cause I mean, uh, we've talked about Otomo on this show before, but I was more surprised for the Bill and Ted film because I I saw that guy's other credits and I was like, this is a really visually beautiful looking movie actually for this guy. But maybe you should say, what are the titles? Uh, The first film, Bill and Ted Bogus Journey, the sequel. The squeak. Uh, And up until now, you know, the concluding (laughs) chapter. Right. But we just heard, right? I think they're right now they're filming Bill and Ted 3. Oh, yeah. 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 so we can look forward to Keanu on fire. I'm very excited. Right. So we're skipping Bill and Ted. Excellent adventure. We haven't done that one on the show yet. Maybe we will go back and do that at some point. I like We're going straight to bogus journey. You you guys did, you guys did see excellent adventure, right? Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Okay. Okay. No way we could go into the second one without having uh, (laughs) the context of that first one. I would have been like, uh, so the first one was uh, bogus journey. Correct. And the second film was a movie called a world apartment horror. Yes. Uh, 1991, uh, Otomo directed it. The guy who did Akira, the comic. Yeah. And film. Yeah. Which yeah, we did cover it, on the show. Right? Yeah, yeah. So we've already talked about Katsuhiro Otomo. We talked about him when we did Akira, which came out in 89. So this was his follow-up movie to Akira, which was a huge oh, yeah. smash. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So he, it was so right he, he went wow. straight from Akira into this film. Okay. Uh, and this and, film. And some other kind of, you know, big people. And like the story, like the main story mm-hmm. was done by a guy named Satoshi Kon, who did Perfect Blue, Perfect Millennium Blue, Actress. Right. Yeah, yeah. Paprika. Yeah, and, and, and I think one of the guys like, who did uh, Cowboy kind of Bebop guess. was also on here. Right, yeah, the movie. Yeah, he did this, yeah. the script, yeah. Right, so yeah, you, you have like three uh, Japanese manga artists turned filmmakers all working together to come up with this film yeah so and it's all pretty these, bash it, all as you of can those guys uh, created it's like what people consider like masterpieces of those yeah. genres too right which oh, yeah. is interesting yeah and but this one has been kind of forgotten absolutely yeah i mean we yeah. we had to find it on a, a youtube channel <laughs> oh, and also uh what's his name uh the main the main yakuza guy in world apartment horror is uh i forget his actor name but his director name is sabu and he's oh, made these a uh, great like cyberpunk robot uh, kind of punk rock fucking yep. yeah that sounds up our alley <laughs> yeah no he, he he turned he into was a the guy in uh ichi the killer yep oh yeah. hell yeah yep hell yeah he was also recently in martin scorsese's silence actually he oh, was right. he was one of the 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 japanese in that as well and he was Very also cool. he also did the uh i think he was also in mike's triad society movies too so i mean this guy oh, has yeah, done yeah, all yeah, kinds yeah. of crazy Japanese cinema as well. So you kind of have like a melding pot of just tons of like, I mean, yeah, this that's interesting. For, for Japanese film and art, like this was like a huge movement that was going on. I mean, this movie came out around the same time. We already talked about it, Tetsuo the Iron Man, when uh, oh, yeah. Tsukamoto was also becoming huge in like the late 80s, early 90s. So like- Tsukamoto like, also uh, Samurai in Silence too. <laughs> wow. I also forgot that too. Yeah, Shit. yeah. Uh, Marty knows his Japanese cinema. You <laughs> yeah. got to give him credit on that one, at least. Yeah, like who the fuck was saying like, like yeah, does not even need to be addressed. Yeah. Fuck it. Yeah, we, we don't right. need to really oh, we engage just, film Twitter debates. We were, we were just, just talking, talking about, about this. It? Yeah. yeah, by the time y'all are hearing wrong. this, that would have been like a week or two ago. I we'll think. Just put on the record like, that they're wrong, which is like a millennia ago in internet time. But exactly. Just like, watch my mind. Like, like, fuck that shit. Come on, fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> That's a good thing to put in the intro. I think. Yes. <laughs> 
film Twitter debates so over whether no Martin Scorsese is a white bro or whether he <laughs> makes really sensitive art films uh, <laughs> yeah. and has actually a lot of respect for world cinema, judging by the fact that he has paid himself to restore and archive all kinds <laughs> of world cinema that would otherwise be forgotten. And that if you came up and asked him, is there too many like white male directors, he would probably go, yeah, but like, I'm one of them. Like, I'm just <laughs> yeah. a thing. He's like, you know, like, I don't understand what people want from him. Like, do they want yeah, him like, to make, like, if he was making stories about other people, they would get mad that it's not his point of view either. So right, we don't exactly. need to relitigate this whole thing, but I think you said they're, exactly they're what needs to be said. The, they're, they're just angry at the holes in the knowledge they have about the facts. Of <laughs> exactly. Like, they don't know the whole situation anyway, and there's holes in it and they're angry at the holes. The second I see a dorm room with like an age of innocence poster or like a last temptation of Christ poster <laughs> in their room. Like then we'll talk, but until then, uh, no thanks. <laughs> but speaking of awesome. which, before we get too off track here, we're already going crazy. I love that. We're going to jump love right it. in. I think we're going to uh, start. Obviously we're going to start. We're going to do Bill and Ted's bogus journey. Let's do this. Whoa. Excellent. <laughs> Had to do it. Had to do it. Guys, congratulations on Earth. Not to mention your other great planets. Mars, Jupiter, Uranus. It's the comeback of all time. Bill and Ted's bogus journey. It's a trip. Best of seven? Damn right. Ah, dude. Left hand red. Bill and Ted's bogus journey. It's so funny. Just, be, just being a fucking moron. <laughs> it is. <laughs> oh, Keanu probably just, had so much fun. Oh, yeah. Just being like a vaguely Californian moron. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we are talking Bill and Ted's bogus journey, the probably 1991 uh, American science fiction comedy film, a sequel, obviously. Two, uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, the 1989 film starring Keanu Reeves and Alex I called it. Winter. I called a pseudo pseudo stoner film, not a stoner film. <laughs> <laughs> it's got a, it's got excellent stone. dumb guy energy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 You love to see it. Either way, uh, before we get too crazy into Bogus Journey, I think we'll do a quick just for case there's anyone out there. I mean, I think Jamie and I might have been the two who were. Uh, sacrilegious and not having seen either of these films, but even I knew you, the references. You'd be surprised. I've heard I several people one. say they just yeah. never touched them. Yeah, yeah, right. But you hadn't seen Excellent Adventure, right? No, I somehow missed the first one. Yeah, crazy. All right, so Excellent Adventure obviously is a um, very sort of kind, sincere, uh, kind of like vaguely postmodern comedy uh, yeah. about MTV youth. And it's a it's a utopian adventure about morons. Yes, <laughs> it, it it stars Bill or Keanu Reeves and Alex Winter as Bill and Ted, who are these very unsophisticated uh, Beavis and Butthead types, uh, and how uh, in the future they are the key to unlocking a utopian harmony through their own sort of vaguely like, dumb guy, it, naive, enchanting. And you gotta, remember, you gotta remember what George Carlin says they do at the end of the first. What do they do? They open up communication with all life in the universe from aliens to all house pets and insects, <laughs> you know, in money in hunger in poverty in <laughs> war. 
They solve it all. With like their hair metal. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's just these completely directionless dolts, basically. Uh, and we find out that they we we watch their adventures unfold from the point of view of knowing that they in the future are deities that solved uh, every world problem. <laughs> yeah. It's a vaguely sci-fi premise. Um uh, especially the first one, which involves time travel. Enemy, the second one, which, yeah, we should say also involves uh, some actual uh, borderline space sequences. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but even gets into more spiritual realms. But, I mean, this is a pretty iconic film. I don't know how much we have to break down of this one. Uh, strange things were afoot at the Circle K is basically <laughs> what happened in that film. Um, they are, I believe they're they're trying to solve a, they're, they're going to flunk history if they don't <laughs> yeah. go back in time. And George Carlin plays a uh, person from the future who comes back and gives them a time machine so that they can... Uh, not flunk history. <laughs> yeah, that's basically it. Because they were like, if they flunk history, like... they get separated. Uh, Ted goes to military school, and then they never fix the world. Basically, yeah. so they have to go back in time, and they have to make sure that those two do not get separated at all costs. And what follows is just kind of a yeah, kind of like a a stoner hangout, goofy vibe of them going through all kinds of different time periods, which is. Really funny because yeah. the production value was on point. Like they actually recreate these periods as they walk through Westerns. They walk through medieval movies. Like these movies, this film and its sequel, which we're really going to get into, both have real reverence for genre movies and the movies that they're playing inside. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. uh, the sequel goes into sci-fi and apparition horror. Um, and yeah, again, they go to medieval dramas. They do Westerns. Um, shit, the sequel has an extended gag about the seventh seal, which is just not yep. a joke that most people watching a stoner comedy would understand. Yeah. But yeah. uh these guys do. And keep it. Keep in mind, I watched these as a very young child. Yeah, yeah. And that just a lot of that went over my head. But I loved it. Every, yeah. Went well, I think that's also again. kind of the genius of the films is that it has a lot of deep film references, but you don't need to know them to still enjoy the the surface level comedy. Yeah, that's going I mean, on. it's it's a very charming, bizarre universe that they craft. Yeah, but and if you do know them, then it's just you know it adds to that the, the layers a little bit. Oh yeah. Right, and they call Socrates Socrates. It's, yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like this. I also has, find the, it. This funny. has a unique combo of like genuinely clever filmmaking and genuinely clever like um, uh, sort of like conception for jokes. Yeah, yeah. Mixed with just two absolute morons <laughs> who have uh, beautiful morons, but char- yeah, very charming morons. <laughs> oh yeah, like like it, it, lovable it, it, morons. It's not even like a like a ripping on them or anything. Yeah, there's no eye rolling. You're just kind of, you just you're 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 along for the ride and you love every moment of these guys. <laughs> yeah, I mean you 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 get to the end of the film and you're like, yeah, man, be excellent to each other. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> party on, man. Yeah, like that, <laughs> that's a good central message too. Just try, <laughs> yeah. try not to be an asshole. Yeah, just be excellent. Have a good time. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of also, air guitar strumming. I also uh, love that like the first one is a lot more innocent compared to this one. This one seems to try to take a little bit more, you know, oh, yeah. darker themes. It's very, you know, it's still very comedic, very lighthearted for the most part, but just well, in it goes comparison, dark they, you know, they're exercising some shit out of themselves. They're becoming yeah. men. Yeah, right, right. Right. Yeah. Sort of, you know, in the sequel, yeah, like in like directly in the form of the uh, evil robot us's. 
Which we'll, you'll get into. Yeah, yeah really yeah, we'll great performances by both of them as both Bill and Ted, which I mean, a, a huge yeah. part of why Excellent Adventure, I think, has uh, stood the test of time is because of their performances. Yeah, definitely. You got, you definitely. got, you, you really got to love both of them in all of their sort of like naive sweetness and all of their bizarre slang. Um, <laughs> Keanu, Keanu, you know, enough has been like Keanu rules. Of course he does. But Alex Wynn is fucking great. Oh yeah, I, yeah, I find that he gets like kind of uh, forgotten about a lot of the time. Um, it just, well, yeah, but he's I found he's, he's, he's great know, comedic directing. timing. He's made some great uh, docs, and like he made that one about the Panama Papers. That was real good. Oh okay. shit, I did not nice. know that. That was a good. <laughs> I didn't even know that. I almost chose to do Freaked, the movie he directed for. Oh, for like, the follow up, yeah, yeah. That, that is a fucking classic. That's an amazing. That should be on Criterion. What, like whatever you got. <laughs> We'll have to add that to the we'll, list. We'll definitely add that though to the list. But yeah, I Keanu, love I, Keanu's in that as uh, the the dog boy. Oh, Keanu's like in it too. A, oh, he's in wolf, it. That's awesome. Uncredited is like a wolf man. It's great. <laughs> oh, beautiful. And there's two giant eyeballs named I and I, and they're two Rasta eyeballs with machine guns. <laughs> it sounds right up the show's alley. <laughs> pops out of a giant uh, Randy Quaid head. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking A. I just really love. Like a bunch of like uh, corporate board members like get acid poured on them and get melted into a big shoe. And Randy (laughs) Wade says, no. And like, uh, he says, no, it's a really big shoe. You know. We're 100% adding this to the list. (laughs) 100%. It's one of my favorite movies ever made. Yeah. And that's directed by Alex Winter, you said? Yeah. 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 Nice. It's. Yeah, he fucking rules. Like I'm, I'm pumped to see him in a movie again. I really am. Yeah. He looks exactly the same. They both do. It's, it's really <laughs> yeah, they haven't aged like at all in forty years. Yeah, it's really throwing you off. Yeah, but I mean, in 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 this first film here, like their sort of like awkward way of moving and those kind of like sometimes like vacant, like expressionless, like pauses where yeah. they're trying to register information. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then, but, and then they're like, you can tell that they don't really understand, <laughs> but they're like, you got to have a good attitude about it though. So they're just <laughs> exactly. like, they're, they just listen and then they're like, most triumphant or <laughs> yeah. like, you know, something totally like that. Heinous. The first one, they feel really genuinely stupid. The second one, they're, they're a bit more of a cartoon. Yeah. Yeah. No, for for real. There's just like kind of like an innocent like bro glee I think to the first film and it's really infectious and it's really yeah. heartwarming. Um and you tell they had they genuinely actually had fun making it. Yeah. Oh yeah, oh, absolutely. And and then this one gears more towards like a comedy horror kind of kind of thing. It like there's crazy. Yeah, yeah. I was quite shocked actually because like I mean, I thought the first one was pretty accomplished with some of like the period set pieces when they like go back into the old west and get Billy the Kid or when they go back and they get um Joan like, of, like uh, Joan of Arc isn't that Yeah, one? they go back and get Joan of Arc. I love they that. get, they Keanu get lifts Freud. out his hand like he's Jesus Christ yeah. or whatever. <laughs> anyway, the, the the bit my one of my favorite bits <laughs> like that is when maybe, they, that is like maybe number 2 cinematic Joan of Arcs to me. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Right she up there sure. with, uh, obviously the passion of Joan of Arc, right? Yeah, right up Carl there. Dreyer, 1920s yeah, or yeah, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much on equal footing. Exact same. <laughs> number two. Good Genghis Khan. That what's it called? I always forget that guy's name. Uh, that joke about Freud. Freud, yeah, coming to the future and going into the mall and hitting on teenagers is one of the best bits that I've ever seen. <laughs> Fantastic Napoleon. Oh, yeah. Napoleon Ziggy having Ziggy Napoleon Ziggy ice cream. Napoleon eats a big old bowl of ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
yeah. So I mean, it's mostly just like a series of like really fun set pieces where these dumb people yeah. go through history, um, and it's and very like, fun. There are stakes, but the stakes are you know we won't have a perfect utopia. So and but and you know it's <laughs> going to we'll work out. A history class. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's a light. It's a light fucking movie. It's, you know, it's great. And the second one is less light. There's more stakes. <laughs> No, yeah, maybe it's, as as we pivot into the second one, the thing that I Im- was immediately struck by with the second one was just how much more like anarchic and ambitious it was. Yeah, um, both visually oh, yeah. and conceptually, like it's a huge risk taking sequel. It's of, a different director it's a big too, movie, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Very, what's That's that? Just, it's a different director too. Isn't yeah, it? different director, which I just find odd because most like when something has like a, a cohesive aesthetic, usually it's because of. The, the similar the same director yeah and having two very different directors uh, I mean we've seen what this guy's uh, <laughs> filmography is otherwise it's oh, it's yeah. odd that he was still able to capture exactly what the first one did but but just flesh it out a little bit more and for the for the new one they got what's his name the guy who did Galaxy Quest oh did they okay yeah which is that's a good idea yeah I think that's so a good, that's a good fit yeah well, and I mean, as we get into maybe like uh, what the second one is about here, I'll explain exactly why some of those, why the visual look is as accomplished as it is. Okay. Uh, because sure. I was I was very curious because I was looking at the director's credits like and I was it. like, I don't see how <laughs> he you, made this movie. How did you pull this off? Bro? Like, how did the guy who made Garfield the movie make <laughs> really this exactly? This? <laughs> uh, oh, shit. No, no, no slander on Garfield I didn't want to say it yes. just in case I got it wrong, but it was the guy yeah. from Garfield. Um, but I will say there's other people who worked on this movie who are incredible visually accomplished with their with their credits and it'll make more sense uh, okay. when we get there, there we but go. the the basic premise um for this one is that the uh, amiable slackers bill and ted they're once again roped into a fantastical adventure um because a villain from the future sends evil robot duplicates of the two lads to yeah. terminate and replace them um the robot doubles uh, weirdly enough actually very early on and shockingly succeed in killing bill and ted yeah <laughs> and then the yeah, rest of like they just, 20 they minutes just kill the shit out of them just yeah. like immediately yep they and- ruin their lives and they kill them in the first <laughs> you know 20 minutes most heinous yeah. <laughs> and uh the two and, then and it should the- be said like you know it is a bit like you know it's of the era when it, when it comes to quote a sort of a slur usage, but in the sequel, <laughs> yeah. the slurs are all coming out of the robots. Well, see, that's that's yeah. what I was kind of because I I heard that one thing and they and they play it for for a bit of humor. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, all, but because of it was the robots, I I right it well, because in in the first film they use it, in the second film it's only the evil robots who use it right. because yeah. it, it was it's funny like, actually. They're purging it from, they're purging it from them because in the and end I mean, they at make the, good robots. Yeah, and it's not. I mean, it's not an excuse for oh, it, but at the heaven. <laughs> but at the very Sorry. least, at least they're not using it in any like derogatory term in that sense. They're using right. it against people that are obviously yeah. bad people. It's just it's up, you know, it's, it's, it's of the me. yeah, it's of the time, you know. Well, yeah, and and Ed Solomon, one of the writers of the film, has since done a lot of Q and A's where he's actually expressed like regret over that. But he's like, if there's one thing I could take out of the movie, and he actually felt just because the jokes are a little bit meaner, and yeah. he was like, I really feel like we didn't want it to be mean, and it came out meaner than we intended. Yeah, and it was basically like, and, yeah. and that humor doesn't fit with like the really like sensitive, lighthearted, lighthearted yeah. guys who yeah. are just like their whole point is just like how. Like, yeah, they they aren't sophisticated and they don't have a lot of, you know, necessarily even good ideas. They just have like a, a be good to each other, you know, vibe. They want to have good vibes and good attitudes. And like I mean, that well, really nobody, is what is supposed to solve. There's not a character in the first one that, that I would call evil beyond Colonel Oates who we never see. 
Yeah, true. There's, there's not yeah. a villain beyond their own uh, dumbass brains, really. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and they're lazy fucking. Like asking a lady in the car in front of the Circle K, who like what? When did Napoleon do whatever? <laughs> yeah. Like that is not good for your report. Yeah, they, so it's not they, a villain. But the second one, you know, like they're evil. It's in their name. Yeah, yeah. it's they're, the worst parts of themselves. They're evil but then villains. they they go to he- they die. They go to heaven. Like, well, you get into it, but like you know, they, I feel like. Well, they don't immediately They're, go to heaven. <laughs> That's true. Oh, no, they go straight to hell. Yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> they're metalheads. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but yeah, they, the, they, the rest you know, of the movie is them trying to escape, you know, the afterlife. Because I mean, I think they start with their judgment. They start by going to the Grim Reaper, who is again a direct reference to Ingmar Bergman's The Seventh Seal, where they play yeah. games with uh, uh, literally death. Um, and then they they go on a journey and they play a series of games, uh, basically to try that's, and make their really way back. That's a really great Grim Reaper, like William Sadler. Yeah, that's oh, a really he's amazing. Oh, he's fantastic. Iconic so role. funny. Iconic yeah, role. <laughs> he might be like my favorite comedic role in this in this yeah. movie, honestly, because he plays it very subtly too. Like all his all his uh, comedy is. Like, like a when lot he of apologizes it. to God. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, man. Yeah. Or when he's yeah. introduced as the basis for the band and shit like that. It's, it's uh, great. And he, he does I a love showbiz. <laughs> but the, you were saying that they, they went to hell. Yes, I they believe. go to hell and they spend the rest of the movie kind of like trying to make their way back from the afterlife to stop evil Bill and Ted, the, the robot duplicate sent from the future, to it's eliminate. A pretty, it's a pretty good hell, too. That's a disturbing yeah, hell. It actually reminded me of the second uh, Hellraiser. Oh, the boy said it. That's exactly said, the same note that dude, I wrote. Yeah. Exactly. That's what I'm talking about. Of course. It's because of that labyrinth feel, you know, yeah. when there's like the, the layers to the realm and things like that. Yeah. A Bill oh, and, and Ted yeah, movie. There's a cameo by uh, Adolf Hitler. Yeah. <laughs> He wasn't in the first one, but yeah, he's in hell. I just got to say, watching Excellent Adventure, I did not imagine that the sequel would have me thinking of the Hellraiser movies. The Hellraiser series, yeah, for real. Oh, yeah. It's unbelievable. It's a good devil, too. Like that big old pig man. Oh, Oh, yeah, yeah. it's huge. It's like a 50-foot monster. But the sets and the production design and the amount of money that actually would have went into recreating what this afterlife looks like. And And here's, here's the kicker. Guess who the production designer is? The visual effects artist of Blade Runner. There you go. There it oh, is. Wow. That'll do it. <laughs> wow. So both it the does, production it has designer a and visual effects artist who worked on Blade Runner did it for this film. So that's definitely part of the reason this director was able to pull off some of the great shots he did and, and the design work Oh, yeah, like when that. they revisit their childhood traumas in the... Oh, that's great. And that old like, lady, the yep. grandma... Yeah. Especially, can we say like that that shot where all three of them are coming down the hallway? She is especially distressing. Yeah, she and she is especially frightening because they 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 add this kind of like twitch to her as she's walking and then and she's got this kind of you know inhuman body shape to her a little bit. Like it's it's uh yeah, it's it's frightening stuff. It's good. No weird speech from the uh the hell Colonel Oates about you silkworms, silky boys. I love that. They have that <laughs> noted here too. Worms, worms, silkworms come from China. Yeah, they were like uh, silk <laughs> comes from the butts of Chinese worms. And then, and then the other follow up line where he's like, "I'll eat you up like toasty little butter cakes." Only <laughs> <laughs> says, "Drop and give me infinity." And the uh, head whispers to Billy, "says Dude, do girl style." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a good movie, man. Oh, yeah. Man. Yeah, no, it's the sequence. Well, we got to say the sequence before, like they, the evil ushers show up because Bill and Ted are, are, you know, derelict in their life. 
They're supposed to make a, you know an amazing band, but they still can't play for shit. <laughs> the, uh, the princess is <laughs> because they, they won't practice. And which, by the way, we'll get to that once again. There's a lot of things we're going to get to, but the finale in which the practicing occurs yeah. is oh, one dude, of musicians. It's, it's so yeah. fucking perfect. Oh my god, musician's dream. <laughs> like yeah, but and so, well, the very beginning starts off in the future utopia, and it's ridiculous. Bill and Ted University. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. With some amazing clothing, these day glow glowing uh, yeah. like panels people have on their body i love how that seems to be like what people from the 80s and early 90s just thought the future was going to be just completely neon clothing there's been some other sci-fi films that you think know what they might that. be right i don't fucking know. honestly <laughs> honestly we're all gonna fucking die yeah but, <laughs> so we won't even like, get there anyway <laughs> it, it so reminded me, me of uh zoolander like the, oh, yeah. the kind of outfits there and his whole like uh, Zoolander, Eric Zoolander school for kids who want to read good and learn to do other good things good too. It's exactly yeah. what Bill and Ted University reminded me of. Yeah, time travel. Some, post I made, some post I made a year ago, but like terrorists in the Bill and Ted utopia future who like, you know, ambient electronic terrorists who are bombing <laughs> guitar centers or something. Yeah, but, they, they, so they were really who, upset. Who that they have to study uh, Sebastian Bach alongside uh, James Martin from Faith No More. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. They were and, like uh, the 23rd century uh, musician who's like total cyberpunk, whatever, something. <laughs> and But then uh, the door busts down and there's this sort of uh, fascist Mussolini guy. Yep. <laughs> Named Chuck Denomalos, the uh, the what's the uh, the sit up champion of the 28th century or something, <laughs> which is such a good way to like refer to a fascist as a sit up champion. <laughs> the absolute king, dude. He's just like I will no longer take this nonsense Skittles sci fi future. Uh, oh yeah, and uh, I will use these cyborg uh, like automatons wearing creepily. Uh, wearing the skin of Bill and Ted, which they reveal all the time, like when they're putting their skin on and when they open their skin, I up love stuff, those effects. Like it looks genuinely freaky. Yeah, it looks. Yeah. It, it looks like the robot abs, almost so cool. real. Like the way that they edit the uh, the cuts and everything. Yeah. like they do it perfectly, very I, seamless. I also love that even in robot form, their personalities still seep through. Like even though they're absolute like evil jackass versions of them, like the personalities that they have are still like they're like. Uh, oh yeah, but I love when like they're they're total dumbasses, but then they snap into evil robot mode. It's yeah, oh. yeah. <laughs> especially yeah. Keanu. Like when he pops yeah. his eyeball out. <laughs> Does he say something too? Like we get to hear Keanu say, dude, I got a totally robot chubby. <laughs> <laughs> Which is just gold. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and they're like fear, discipline, order, death to Bill and Ted. <laughs> and they're like, play football with Bill's head. Oh, yeah. Catch you later, evil dude. <laughs> <laughs> So they just they very easily kidnap Bill and Ted because well I mean because they Bill and Ted have been conditioned you know conditioned to if they encounter another version of themselves they'll just think this is another time traveler of me yeah like they, they have the answers first we need for my life right now so they just take them out to the desert and just shove them off a cliff <laughs> yeah when, when all they were trying to do was like. Uh, play in the battle of the bands that's being run by Pam Greer, yeah. which I thought was just oh, yeah. an amazing cameo. Yeah. Primus in there. Yeah, yeah. remember that? Yeah, Primus in there too. <laughs> and they were like, man, we can't, we, we got to get stopped getting paid in pet pretzels and cheese. 
Oh, yeah. Dan's got to live. And then they, in, they intend a most resplendent birthday party. <laughs> and then, but then they're ghosts for a while. So first they go to the police station because they're idiots. Oh, my God. And, and they what uh, a scene. possess his father. And and the guy, the uh, the lab tech guy from Total Recall. <laughs> they were like, it, 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 it worked in The Exorcist 1 and 3. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. Exorcist 2 was some shit. I also love that the the effects that they put on them isn't, uh, there's like nothing digital about it to make them appear as like an apparition or anything. It's just them in like gray outfits and And, and and gray skin. Yeah. And it's just. Painted gray. Yeah. It's just interesting to see. It's just painted gray. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) It just adds to that kind of like cartoonish aesthetic to the film and I I really enjoyed it. It feels like a Cocteau movie or some shit. (laughs) Yeah. Trials of Orpheus almost, you know? (laughs) No, absolutely. That, that the police station scene. So later in the film, there's these two aliens with a dope butt named Station, or maybe one alien that. No, I think it's two. No, it's I think two. it's one, but he likes being. I think. I think they mentioned the dope butt alien. once he's one big alien. Yes, I think that's what. Yeah, it's one was. big alien, but he's more comfortable splitting into two little guys. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but his name is Station, and Bill and Ted like him a lot, so they start saying Station. So in the future, Station is like a. It's like saying right on. <laughs> yeah. so I remember Ed Solomon. I remember him telling me. He said the reason that they, they're called station is because when they were writing that script, they knew they had to have a scene where they go to the police station to have a scene with that, you know, with his father. And they didn't know what they do. And it was like three in the morning and they were just like pacing around the room, just moaning, going, what, what are we going to do about station? <laughs> and that's where station came from. It's so stupid. It rules. (laughs) Yeah, no, and this the the which is like the whole. That's like this movie. Well, yeah, I would say. I would say like I feel like that gets at the heart of like what is actually funny about this is that like there is kind of like a lackadaisical construction, but like a a commitment to it exactly. Like a that you don't feel like you're watching something lazy. Like you feel like you're watching something that was put a lot of effort into, but like it's about lazy people. So like you kind of get into the headspace of it feels comfortable. Yes. Like you, you want to be, you know, be in almost their point of view. You want to like hang out with them. Yeah. Like like a lot of kind of like anxiety, like tension, like tension driven things happen in the movie, but you never really feel that anxious really. Right. No. Even when things get most non non heinous. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Another thing I love is the uh, like the callbacks to rock and roll culture. Like when they go into heaven, and in order to get into heaven, they the one guy asks what the meaning of life is, and they just quote <laughs> "Every rose has its thorn," <laughs> and, then, and then the guy's like, "Yep, you, yeah, all right. you get it." <laughs> I'm like, "Yeah, rock and roll, baby." <laughs> Bring in that, mu- and that enlightenment. Yeah, and, and yeah. right after they mug some people to even get up there, and they were like, oh, yeah. man, sorry, like we, we, we apologize for mugging people. <laughs> <laughs> well, first, so they, after the police station, they decide to go see Missy, his stepmother. Well, both of their, you know, stepmother-ish, because Missy's has, like, and she boned that, like, the, the military guy, too. It's weird. <laughs> it's like, that guy's in Alaska. Yeah. <laughs> Those guys are weird, Alaskans. <laughs> yeah, but uh, so yeah. she was ha- she has a seance for them, and then they get sent to hell. Yeah, and then they they spend a lot of time coming back, trying to like manipulate their way back into their bodies so that they can save 
uh, their medieval princess girlfriends who they get in the first film, <laughs> yeah. uh, who they save from all the, 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 all the, all the, all the ugly dudes. like, sorry, like get in the car and drive full speed at Missy's house and ram into it in their bodies, shoot through the front window. That's one of my favorite scenes no, in that movie. Absolutely. I have that note too. That is one of the best gags in the movie, especially because there's an amazing line right before they do that where they're just well, like, trying to run over the cat. Yeah. yeah, he's like, I have a great idea. <laughs> and that's it. The great idea was that he would just ram the car like into the sidewalk. They could fly through the windshield, break into the houses and like, you know, something that should kill them. <laughs> yeah. so just to like ruin the bricks in the fireplace. Yeah. <laughs> yep. They really are evil. So then, yeah, Bill and Ted get sent to hell and it's horrible. But then they say, let's challenge the Grim Reaper. And they, they kick the Grim Reaper's ass at, at such things as, uh, <laughs> Battleship. Battleship. Yeah. Twister. Two out of three. <laughs> That's a brilliant gag. Uh, yeah. one, of, one of the best Chess. ones where they were like, actually, it was Professor Plum. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, Professor Plum. <laughs> <laughs> like the, it's just amazing, too, to watch. Like, you think of the Grim Reaper, right? Death. Yeah. Like, death himself. <laughs> you would think that this this entity, whatever, would just be an all-knowing, all-intelligent being. And then you get to watch him comedically be destroyed through Battleship uh, with a bunch of morons. You know, like just total idiots. And they're just, they're they're defeating death itself. Yeah. And it's just, that's that itself is amazing. Such a and I also gang. love that they don't add any um, score or anything to the sequence. You're just in this very gray, like cobwebbed area with a lot of echoes and all that. And the whole time, you just have their voices, that the the very the, uh, loud echo and yeah. all that as they're going through this game. So there isn't like a lot of excitement to the montage either. It's, no, it's just it's, played it's for to complete be like mundane comedy. Almost, yeah, yeah, and it's it's such a good gag. I loved every detail of it. Yeah, I also love oh, yeah. when they finished playing Twister and they were like, and they, they beat him and Death finally gives up and they were like, they're such great guys. They were like, man, you play well, Death, even in your heavy death robes. Yeah. And, and then he was like, don't patronize me or whatever. He's yeah. like, I I've never true. lost. Death has never lost this game before. Right. And he lost it to like the two biggest idiots who have all their free time available to them Keanu to play board games. And replies with, uh, you're, you're a good player, Death, but you have a lot to learn about sportsmanship. Yeah. <laughs> and then don't fear the Reaper. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and like the fact you know you don't see people in movies any, at all doing air guitar and there's like guitar noises happening <laughs> yeah, exactly no I mean, there needs to be more to, punct to punctuate lines you know to punctuate a scene like that doesn't happen it, it feels just like the energy and friendship and like good heartedness of these two guys just kind of like infects the movie yeah it, yeah, it, yeah, it, it's it a good makes way of the rules it. of the movie it's just like these guys you know, they they aren't really trying and there's not really like a, uh, you know, like the, the stakes don't come from like a very plot heavy, like we need, we, we have this tense thing we have to do. It's very yeah. just kind of like they move they from place to like place. They kind of like nonchalantly go through all yeah, these things. Well, yeah, they, they kind of just move from room to room and from like, you know. Just uh, try to figure it out. They went through <laughs> history in the first one and in this one they're going, they, they move through hell. They move, they move through like purgatory and, and they just make well, everyone's life better. Morons, but yeah. <laughs> you, they feel like you feel like they're good people. You feel like these people could save the world with their 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 bullshit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love when they go up to God and they were like, "God, 
You are a just and noble creator. <laughs> Keep up the good work, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Hats off, God. <laughs> um, it, like, it looks like a really pleasant, like, kind of greeting card kind of heaven. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Marilyn Monroe's there. Einstein's playing charades with uh, Gandhi. It's like everybody you want to see there. You know, you see like... <laughs> There's a couple boxes. That was great. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and that's also where they find the Martians who become Station, right? Yeah. The, the, the two Martians were just finished playing a game of charades. charades yeah, yeah, and they were like, most well-played game of charades, Martians. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that little bit, like just a, a little bit reminded me of that great heaven scene from Exorcist 3. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I haven't seen Exorcist 3. Yeah, so no, I we haven't done know. Exorcist 3 yet, but it's been on our oh, list. Oh, dude, you got to see Exorcist because, well, who, who Who directed that? I know it's someone. It's Is it the Bloody. author? Yeah, Blatty did, right? Yeah, I think so. I think the author of the book, The Exorcist, did uh, cool. Exorcist 3. Very cool. Which is interesting. I haven't Fabio, seen Fabio. I know it's Fabio on Shutter. plays though. an angel. Uh, right. Patrick Ewing plays the angel of death. <laughs> That's awesome. Like, like robes and like wings, like angel. Yeah, you got to see it. No, absolutely. And yeah, I mean, again, right, the, the, the fact that a comedy film is reminding you of that, too, I think speaks yeah. to just the design work and the way that this film looks. Yeah, um, definitely. That it, it definitely. Oh, well, they, they directly reference it, you know, X is 30. Oh, yeah. And they literally <laughs> yeah, say it on the true. film, too. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you, you, you do feel like a love of, of, of movies from these guys, too. Yeah. So, like, you know. I found this just like, I mean, maybe I watch too many movies, but I just found this like completely infectious on that level as well, too. Yeah, so, me too. Um, oh, yeah. And like, and they get out of heaven with these two uh, Martian uh, scientists, the smartest people in the universe. <laughs> and they go, they get in their van, their bodies have like worms and shit in their ears and a Viking, like a vulture been like, not a Viking, like a vulture been like eating at them. And they go <laughs> They go straight to the uh, like hardware store. I love uh, Bill's little line too, where he's just like, uh, <clears throat> "Lunchtime's over, worm dude." <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I mean, he does not give a shit about a whole ass worm. In like they just got, they just were resurrected, and the first thing he's just this nonchalant, "Oh, lunchtime's over, worm dude." There you go. <laughs> it's just uh, they're infectious. They're absolutely well, yeah. Infectious. Like every every line delivery in this, I feel like is like instantly quotable. And one of the yeah. one of the most. Uh, uh, Shocking things to me was how good the dad was at playing uh, uh, Keanu. Oh, when definitely. They, when, when, they, when they possessed the yeah. PlayStation oh, yeah. that's a good, and the guy, oh, yeah. that's a good and he's just like, I totally possessed my dad. <laughs> he's doing it in his dad's body. And you're imagining all the cops are watching this like, what the fuck is going on right now? And the now? guy who tells uh, Arnold to take the pill in uh, Total Recall says, oh, whoa, excellent crawlers or a uh, bear claw. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> he yeah. plays the partner. <laughs> and, and one of my yeah one of the best bits is like so they they go to the hardware store because god gives them a disc plan of like a glowing disc with a plan on it <laughs> and, and they give it to the aliens the aliens like oh totally let's let's do it come on so they go to the hardware store and like there's a guy smoking a cigarette in an aisle while uh while the grim reaper is walking with the shopping cart and uh, grim reaper says yeah, see you real soon hey Oh, oh so yeah. I forgot about that. It's such a, you know what, it, what's cool about that too, is that it's a very subtle moment. Like they don't, they don't like, you know, hone in on it very much. I think it, even yeah, the camera, I'm pretty yeah. sure the camera is even moving away from him as he's doing it, if I remember correctly. Mm. But yeah, that's a, that's a great guy. I, I just remember that bit being in the trailer, maybe. <laughs> I, Cause I was fucking pumped to see this as a kid. I love that first one. That oh means I can put it in the theme song. Oh yeah. Oh. <laughs> 
Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing about this movie in general is there's just so many jokes, like jokes per minute, yeah. visual jokes, dialogue jokes, yep. like uh, just constant. general the genuine absurdity of the entire premise jokes that just come from like right. the way the the world looks. Like even just uh, the, the joke of that Satan. Satan is gen- genuinely like uh, like he, it's well designed. He looks scary, but also that he's like a muscly six pack boar is also just funny. Like <laughs> yeah. in the way that it, like he looks exactly like body. a metal album cover. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. a great way of putting it. Well, it's, yeah, and, you know, it's don't exactly they say what that? Bill don't and they Ted would think the devil would look like. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I feel like they say something about like album covers in this one too, with regards to to how like oh, yeah, album right, covers yeah. lied to us or something, or like yeah, they I can't probably, remember. I can't remember either, exactly what they say. Another thing where they like kind of gag on the whole time travel aspect is uh, the like the finale in which when they start to just say it's like. Well, actually, we set up a cage right there before. And they're like, it seems as if they're making things up as they go. And well, they are. And, they're right, they're right. making it up as they go because they're, they're, they're making shit they're going to do later. Yeah, right. exactly. Exactly. And, and I love that the gag is kind of, it's both, they are doing it. You know, they are obviously going back in time and doing it. But it's not showing you the tedious like nature of it which other it, yeah. films i think would instead they're just making it a gag where they're just yeah, listing just off later. things that are doing right. that they're that, like they want to do so yeah, they like, can get away and, with and then it it's happening like magic basically yeah and yeah. i thought that that was brilliant that, like, that's i know people great. say that that primer movie is like that's the best time travel movie like, i don't know man i don't know like, i don't i don't want to know any specifics come on <laughs> oh and the sequence where so God's plan was like go go to a hardware store and get some dustbusters and shit and make some the cool robots, <laughs> which uh, and that robot building sequence is like total Evil Dead, Commando gear up sequence kind of thing. Yeah, all oh, shit rules. Yeah, I also love I that they got Evil Dead vibes from this movie. I, I also love that Evil they're Dead also like completely unsophisticated looking robots compared to the Evil Bill and Ted, and yet these <laughs> robots just kick. Bill, evil Bill and Ted's ass. Oh, yes. they, they, they literally <laughs> well, punch them in the, the chest and they right. fucking you know, explode. Yeah, <laughs> I just, I just <laughs> love the uh, the optics of it. Just like this, he looks like he's made from like a spaghetti strainer, <laughs> and, then, and then he just comes up and destroys the evil that's been throughout this whole movie. I just, yeah, I thought knock, that was they, great. Uh, they knock their blocks off, like rock them, suck. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, it's it's because you know, like the good robots were made from bad materials, but they're made by station, right. the smartest being in the universe. And the good robots were made by Chuck Nomalos, who's a sit-up champion. That's right. Yeah. So they lose. And then they, they travel in time and they learn how to shred and they uh, <laughs> unite the world because, you know, across the airwaves, like Another- Russia, England, great scene, China. Yeah. And also that that's another great gag or just that thought where it's like they haven't practiced enough. <laughs> so what they do they is just play at all. travel all back in time is- to practice the the things that they, they should have been doing for the last ten years, session where and they become just, pro players. Yeah, and as a musician, that's a dream. <laughs> I would just absolutely love to go back ten years and then relearn guitar, or just have ten extra years of that yeah, uh, like practice. They had, they had, I just love that little detail. Like a ZZ Top beard, and he had like a dope like a. Uh... Yeah. And now they're just oh. shredding. Oh yeah, and they it's play great. that Queen like that Kiss song. Yeah, and everybody loves it. Yeah, I love but that they they do. They also mentioned they did a two week uh, medieval honeymoon. Uh, oh, yeah, they had plenty in of there time. somewhere, and then they're like, "Hello, little Ted. <laughs> Hello, little Bill." And they got the little babies on their backs. Yeah. And yeah, what's the, what is the kiss song? It's the it's the one about bringing oh, God, rock, and roll God to gave you. rock and roll to you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's so upbeat and happy. It's so goofy. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. It just fits uh, the, the the movie like perfectly. Like such a good finale note, song. That stuff it showed over the credits is not canon. The credit agent, like like the design agency, did that without consulting them. Oh, okay. So in regards to the sequel, all that shit that happened in the credits do not believe that. Apparently. Maybe what, not. I what's don't know. that? Like, like, what? like, like all, all the images of like the newspapers and stuff of being like. Oh, I thought the were yeah. genuinely yeah. hilarious. Yeah. I thought like the air guitar saves well, the environment. That's hilarious. Okay. <laughs> I guess they were saying it's just not in the script, so oh. probably like they they, they aren't going to consider that. that canon for Bill and Ted Three. I guess. Oh, I see yeah, what you're like, saying because they move on and do these things, and right. they're just going to. I get you. I got you. Yeah, well, like, I think uh, the plot of Bill and Ted 3 is like they are older now and they had a band, but they never saved the world. And like now it's kind of it's time to save the world. And like they got to figure oh, out how to do that with their music. I'm curious how they're going to like use the first two movies and and go from there. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. Yeah. All right. Well, I think it's it's a hell of a flick. Yeah, it's, <laughs> okay. it holds up. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, this is the part, I think we're going to enter the reductive rating round here for you, uh, Oliver. This is the part where we uh, remove all the words, all the nuance, and give the movie a number between one and five on our rating scale here for our bookkeeping purposes mostly. But it's also turned into the final statement section yeah. where if you've missed a scene or you've missed a joke, which there are a lot of in this <laughs> that you want to bring up or you have any sort of conclusive final things, thoughts on it, you can also say them here. Uh, for me, this gets a pretty... Honestly, I'd say a pretty high four, actually. Yeah. Um, again, I think that I, I was quite surprised how, I mean, I really liked Excellent Adventure and also Ford that, but I was surprised by just how much of an ambitious sequel this was and how visually inventive it was, you know, and it's just as unabashedly goofy and dopey and like, <laughs> even you know, more so probably with hilarious slang about how things are good because they're bodacious and things are bad because <laughs> they're egregious. Uh, really and, infectious. It kind of, that, that the way they talk really kind of runs through your head for a while after you watch that movie. Yeah. Like no. after this film, I just felt kind of happy. You know, yeah. like just upbeat. I want to talk to everyone that way now, man. I'm going to be like <laughs> yeah. most egregious. Just be excellent. So how much media genuinely kind of makes you happy? Not mm. much really. <laughs> right. Bill and yeah. does I'd, give it, it. I'd say four as well. On a scale of one to five, like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> four point, you know, one point. 4.14 something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I just thought this one was so imaginative and so like freeing, like the production design by the Blade Runner uh, dudes. And yeah, also unreal. I looked up, they also did Demolition Man, which we recently talked and, about on the yeah. show. And this which movie also goes production from design. production set to production set. Like this thing has, I don't even know how many sets. Like they, they must have really had to hone in on that. Like, yeah. That's awesome. And, and just the way, again, that they, uh, you know, they're really like gothic like nightmare yeah. sets almost and to, to just place these like such lackadaisical like optimists and plunge <laughs> them into that setting yeah, you know, oh, yeah. Satan and, and, and Greer unzipping her body and inside of her body is it's George, George Carlin <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like what a gag it's just it's so absurd it's so excessive and but also so genuinely funny and frequently oh, yeah. clever yeah. that like and you know I, I gotta say as an artist like the idea of art you know a movie about art saving the world, like creating utopia. That's a nice idea. Absolutely. Yeah, and well, and, and the idea that you can make death like uh, a, a companion through sweetness. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like like just genuine and affection. defeating him through battleship. Of yes. Course. And, and William Sadler is already <laughs> but that's out fun. there. Yeah. Shooting yeah. Shit <laughs> right now. yeah. William Sadler is in the third one. They're shooting shit with him right now. Apparently. Oh hell yeah. 
Like, oh, yes. Can't wait. Yeah. Very like, like the, just, just the way that this gets metaphysical and ludicrous and really heartwarming. I really dug it. And I wanted to leave it with the idea that, uh, the term that Roger Ebert used actually for this movie, I thought was incredibly succinct and he called it hallucinatory slapstick. And I was like, yeah, spot on. Dude. Well said. Yeah. Um, like so it. yeah, this was a four for me for you, Jamie. Uh, yeah. High, high four for me as well. Uh, I, th- I really think uh, out of the series, I think the, uh, the real saving grace is the performances. Too. I think so too. Yeah, the performances from Keanu and um, oh, I forget, I'm Alex sorry. Winter. Alex Winter are un- unreal. Like these characters could be they're they're stupid, obviously, <laughs> regardless. But they could be eye rolly stupid. You know, it could have been a, a more of a just just pure stupidity. There's actual intelligent jokes laying throughout it. It's just, uh, it's masked with these characters that are complete morons. You know what I mean? Like, there, there's plenty of in-depth references and, and things like that. It's just... Yeah, there are a couple of morons, but they have a coat of honor. They, exa- they look yeah. out for each other. They're yeah, good people. exactly. And, uh, yeah, I just love their performances. Their chemistry is unbelievable. Really looking forward to seeing what they do as 50-year-olds. Uh, that's going to be fun. And uh, once again, surprised at how... Uh, this director was able to accomplish what he did. Granted, he seemed to have a lot of help, but for the guy that made the Garfield movie, goddamn. It's a a collaborative (laughs) process. Yeah, of course, of course. But it's just most of the time when we see a filmography like that, you know, you don't hit one out of the park like this. And I mean, I almost fired this movie. I have so much fun with it. It's some hot shit on there, but that Tales of the Crypt episode he did was not bad. I remember that one. Oh, okay, okay. Um, but yeah, I, uh, high four for me, and uh, be excellent and party on. Yeah, <laughs> high four, get high and watch it. It's great. Absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, before we, we we head on to the next one here, I wanted to mention one last joke that absolutely killed me. Uh, they go down, and they see, that they, they see the devil dude, who they were like, you know, you get a bad rap. You're not actually a bad, you're an okay dude, or whatever, you know? And they see the devil dude, um, but they're scared, and he goes, he goes, Ted, if I die, you can have my mega death collection. He's like, we're, we're already dead, dude. He's like, whoa, then I guess they're yours. He's like, whoa, thanks, dude. <laughs> See, they live, they live by a code of honor. Uh, yeah, even in, their, even in their death. Oh, yeah. Oh, they're beautiful. really dumb, but they, they mean what they say and they do it. Exactly. These beautiful silky boys, these little toasty <laughs> little butter cake boys. You gotta love them. Oh him. god! And like <laughs> the arc of the, the arc of the fathers with Missy between them in the movies, like his dad in the first one, fucking fucking her in the room in the second oh, yeah. one. This is a sad sack. Oh, it's so good. In the second one, the military dad, the cop dad. You know, I love. He's it. got Missy. He's got the golden chalice. It's yeah. amazing that this sequel does wrap up a bunch of stuff that wasn't even necessary to wrap up too. Like they they bring about the whole father and young and, and, girlfriend. And they thing. actually introduce the military. Yeah, guy yeah. Too. Yeah, it's good stuff. All right. He sucks. Oh, yeah. And like, <laughs> and that, that Missy is going to be in the third one. I got to wonder where she ended up. Sweet. Interesting. Or made to the, made the fucking president. Or well, well with, yeah. with Bill, maybe. We'll see. Oh, she, oh. <laughs> that, that's, well, you know. That, that's like, Endgame. That's the thing they keep referencing. <laughs> whatever, dude. Like, made to both of them. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think that will wrap it up for Bill and Ted Bogus Journey 1991. We're going to be right back and we're going to be talking world apartment horror. <laughs>
not a lot of uh, research to be done on this one. Not a lot of people writing about this one. So. <laughs> yeah, it's like 100 people on Letterboxd. All right, we are back, and we are talking World Apartment Horror, the 1991 horror comedy film directed by Katsuhiro Otomo, uh, with the screenplay by Otomo and by uh, co-writers uh, Kaiko, oh, here we go, Nobumoto, <laughs> and Satoshi Khan. Uh, the film, uh, as we mentioned at the top of the show, it stars uh, actor and Japanese uh, director Sabu as a Yakuza henchman uh, who encounters, uh, we'll say, some some language barriers <laughs> and some evil spirits in his attempts to um, xenophobically evict a bunch of uh, foreigners uh, from a Tokyo uh, apartment. Yeah, it's a it's a fairy tale about how nationalism gets you nowhere. Yes, Otomo anyway, uh, clearly reckoning with a lot of uh, Japanese history, uh, especially pre World War II Japanese history. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, You know, Korea has a lot of feelings about Japan. That's for sure. Sure seems like. Uh, it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, he, it's interesting that he does it both through sort of the yakuza genre and also the sort of like apparition horror genre oh, yeah. and then well, but also applying like, his own sort of like comic yeah. satire to it as well so it's like a mix of like three or four different genres to get a uh, sort of cultural critique across which is very interesting and very i mean coming off of akira it's it's not out of the realm of the guy who made akira uh, to no. be blending that many different elements like, together historically <laughs> like the yakuza film is you know that's a movie that's where you see movies in Japan about foreign foreign people in Japan living there legally. That's like it's like a lot of the Mike movies, the Shinjuku Triad Society, that was all about Chinese people living in Japan. Mm. And so this is kind of of the genre, but not of it. It's a comedy. Yeah, it's examining that impulse that has created, you know, that is very much in America. Yeah. No, like, for sure. Yeah, no, and, and, and I think coming off of Akira, we talked a lot about Akira and like kind of like the tangible detail and like expressive colors of like the dilapidated like cyberpunk futurism of that movie. Yeah. Um, but we also talked a lot about how that movie like goes, and I mean, it's in its, you know, final, uh, we'll say like it's its final reel. And also uh, this movie also gets pretty insane in its final like kind of like <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. 20 minutes, half hour, <laughs> yeah. where he goes into like this, and it seems like a thing that, uh, May, might go across all of his movies, but he likes to go into kind of like this almost like soulful, like near cosmic depiction of like power and psychic yeah. collapse um, in in Japan. Um, and especially, I will say, when they get into, you know, we have this apartment complex. I mean, this actually reminded me, I don't know about you, I, I don't know if either of you have read or watched the film version of High Rise, J.G. No. Ballard. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. This is what I got That's from... Yeah, it's it's both. It's a, a great book, and it's also oh, uh, Ben Wheatley turned it into a great um, film. Um, and that that book and film are both the idea of a, an apartment complex, this sort of like symbol of sort of like capitalist progression of like we have a um, you know it's kind of like a monument to what modern living it should look like. And in this, they use it as a mic and well, and they use it in that film and book as a microcosm of like society collapsing inside of a you know, apartment complex. Yeah. So it's kind of like all the rich folks live at the top 
complexes and the poor folks are down here and it kind of turns into it's kind of like Snowpiercer if you've seen Snowpiercer yeah, yeah. where you move your way through a high concept microcosm of society right um, and I got and a lot of those vibes from this film here um, which was interesting to see out of um, Otomo especially under the guise of like comedy that was yeah. the most surprising part of this movie, yeah. I think, and this for me, was, is how genuinely it, funny it was. This directly followed uh, Akira? Yeah, three years later. It was his next okay. project. Okay. Uh, or at least his next film project. It's possible he worked on other things manga-related. Was there anything manga related that you read about with just why he went? Because he's mostly anime, right? Is there What was the, the push for he him did, to want to do done this? A, like, he did a live-action one, 2006, that was not great. Mushishi. Okay. I did not like that one. <laughs> okay. Yeah, like so he hasn't really gone back to it beyond this. That's interesting. I'm just I'm just curious if there was any reason why he went with the live action, uh, especially a comedy like it's such a bizarre it's such a bizarre change from Akira and some of the other films that I've seen him do. Right, like like not in terms of subject matter in terms of like just like the, the tone really, like, the, and, like well like well like the mode. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. About, like this this is a very different mode of production and like a different uh yeah, and a different yeah, and, tone. Well, and also, is like, is he known for comedy? Because I, I think I've only seen Akira, and Akira is not a comedy. So <laughs> No, and I, like, you, have you ever read the, the, the original comic of Akira? It is much, even more bleak. Oh, no. okay, wow. <laughs> okay. No, yeah. we, we have not done that yet, but we, no. we have, we have Boy, sworn Steam to Boy, it. Boy, one of his other films, there was some, that was pretty dark as well. No, that was like, that was pretty light, okay. I guess. So he but varies most, then? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, I was yeah, just and, curious. and we, we we should mention that like the comedy also to me still has kind of like a bit of a darkness to it. That's true. It's very it's it's both bizarre and and the gags themselves are very like w- like very over the top. Like such well, as a, such like as really having sex dark. with that girl in front of everybody to get them out of the building, things like that. It's fucked up. Oh yeah, yeah, and exactly. It's a, a really dark kind of thing at the cynic is. It's it's an apartment full of foreign people, and the the mob wants to tear it down to build whatever. So they sent a guy in there just to be a total asshole because <laughs> their last mob enforcer in there lost his mind for some reason. And it turns out there's a ghost in there, and it's the ghost <laughs> of a of an Indian guy in there's sister who had been bullied by Japanese people for being a foreigner to suicide, and her like vengeful spirit. And so he was inhabiting a room, a bathroom where she hung herself. Right? Yes. And he got a mask from the museum to try and seal her or combat her, and he cut out the wall, and then it got broken open, and then it was like poltergeist at the end. Yeah, no, very similar. Well, and I, I like too well, in, in the, that they this like takes a long time for this stuff to reveal itself. Like, there's weird stuff happening, but it opens with the gangster yakuza, you know, Sabu, just with his slicked back hair and sunglasses, just like strutting through, you know, Tokyo sunset, with this, like, to live and die in LA or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he reaches the the, the apartment complex, and there's just kind of like garbage everywhere and abandoned furniture. There's like a broken phone. He's like, oh, that's why no one answered it. Uh, and he, yeah, he's on his mission to evict all these poor tenants. And he's um, really bad at it. Yeah, he's really bad at it. <laughs> They're really obstinate. They just do not give a shit. Well, There's it's funny like because they can't understand what he's saying. He's just like yelling at them and they're like, this is humorous. <laughs> yeah, like at one point he tries to do the karaoke thing to just drive them out and they all start dancing in the hallway. <laughs> like, <laughs> they're just like, oh, is There's he having like, a party? Fucking yeah, man. There's four guys in one room from China, mainland China. There's the guy from Taiwan. Uh, there's the Filipino guy, the happy-go-lucky like bouncer guy. Yeah, and then later on they bring in the uh, the welder who is a Nigerian mystic. 
<laughs> right. Yeah. He's, a, he's a witch doctor. Yeah. He oh, comes yeah, in yeah. to get rid of the spirit. Yeah. Well, yeah, because when we get first introduced to this presence, there's like this weird, like strange, like ceremony happening in um, Sabu's brother's apartment. I think he's Ita right. and the brother is Ira. And there's a strange like ceremony happening in there where there's like brooding and like heavy breathing and he's holding a katana and it looks like it's filled with air fresheners, like the scene from Seven when they go into the... Oh, like, yeah, those are uh, like talismans, like paper talismans. Right. They, like, they throw them on ghosts to kill them and shit. Yeah. Right, yeah, and, and he, 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 either way, very clearly hints anyway, the cinematic language hints, he's like possessed by some sort of demon or something yeah, like that. There's some, there's some shit going on. Yeah, yeah. And, and I love that uh, his reaction as he leaves is just like, yeah, maybe, maybe my brother's got into heroin or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. What are you going to do? <laughs> Sucks to suck, I guess. Actually, <laughs> they messed up the subtitles. He, he said he was into Shabu, which I think is speed. Oh. Which is even oh, weird. Okay. <laughs> yeah, because it subtitles. didn't seem like speed. Like the guy was yeah, pretty like, I was drowsy. I thought. <laughs> yeah, this was a hard so, film to find. We had to watch it on like a 240p yeah. copy on YouTube. Yeah, yeah I got film. my copy in like 2000, 2001 from Kim's Video in New York, which is now since disappeared, gone. So did you find it's, like a DVD or a Blu-ray or VHS? No, or this what? is a. Uh, this was a, a, like a burnt DVD. It looked like it was copied from a VHS. Awesome. <laughs> that's, that's probably the version we got. And then they ported it all the way to YouTube too. So we just had like a triple distillery. <laughs> triple bootleg. Yeah. Like I, I read the comic years ago cause it's like Satoshi Khan, like after the movie came out, he adapted it into a, like a manga. Oh wait. Yeah. So world apartment horror became a comic. Oh yeah, and I, I, I need to find a copy again. Is there is there any more detail in the comic that the movie's kind of missing? Yeah, yeah. I <laughs> seem to is it is it the lot. same tonally as well? Is it very like comedic? Oh yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Cool. even more. Oh okay, cool. I need to find that again. Yeah, it's yeah, a, it's a fun it's a fun story. It's fucked up, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, like, really what he's getting at is he's getting at sort of like, uh, you know, world history. Uh, I mean, world apartment horror. Like, come on, he's straight up just saying this. This apartment is an allegory for the world. And there's filled with all of these people from different countries and people who have history. Oh, yeah. They, they directly Japan, say, like, this rule. is the metaphor of the film. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which I like. Throwing it, it right it, at you. It is the title. <laughs> come on, oh, yeah. folks. And I said, like, and there, there's a there's an argument first, which is like you know get out of here, all you Asians, ja- like Japanese are Caucasian, get out of here. <laughs> yeah. He says Japanese Japanese people are Caucasian, so it's it's a very not subtle metaphor, you know, it, which I like. Well, yeah, because that's just it is that like their actual use of political power and violence resembled other Western countries at the time. So that's what he's kind of criticizing is that this idea that they're like, okay, yeah, but you guys think you're one of them, but you don't really look like you're not always going to really belong in that, you know, in that way. And one one thing I found funny was that 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 the way the violence kind of creeps into this, because some of the violence actually is a little heavier than I expected of the I mean, not of the Akira guy, but of the, (laughs) the tone of this film. Yeah. Yeah. And I love the bit where he is straight up like talking about doing a hate crime where he's like, I'm going to kill you. He's like, nobody would fucking miss you. You know, he's, he's straight up threatening to kill this tenant because he, you know, he, uh, I, I think he's Chinese. He's the Chinese yeah. student. Um, and the guy's just like, you're talking too fast. I can't understand you. <laughs> <laughs> it just, it just not work at all. Yeah. Uh, 
And, and then he has this great line, one of my favorite lines in the movie in response, where he's just like, Japanese is the hardest language in the world. Even the Japanese don't understand it. <laughs> <laughs> Like it's 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 genuinely funny. Yeah. yeah, it's really funny. Well, because yeah, once the racist, violent screeds don't work, that's when he starts doing bad karaoke to annoy them until he. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and this guy's performance is fantastic. Oh, he's, he's very so like great, like fast paced and spastic the whole time. Very like almost animated. Yes, uh, and I love that. He gave a great comedic performance. Lots of physical. Yeah, gags very, coming yeah. out of the way that he moves. Very and, physical and the, performance. And the, the speed at which he moves and the way that he says things. Yeah, and how angry he is all the time. He's so angry. Like oh, even, he's, even, he's very snappy, very snappy. Even when yeah, he's yeah. playing games with them, and they were just like like dominoes. Yeah, he's still. Yeah, and I think he says no cheating, and he was like no eating. <laughs> he gets so mad that everyone doesn't understand like small little mispronunciations. He never, and stuff like he that. never stops getting really mad about it. <laughs> there's a, there's a bit of a Marx Brothers vibe. Oh yeah. Uh, and yeah, just the way that some of those like weird kind of like darker, like the, the darker themes of this, obviously dealing with like Japanese national power and violence and molding that into an allegory of like, kind of like a culture clash slash like, like neighbors comedy. That's a funny way to put it. Like, 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 (laughs) like the way that those two things interact with each other is like so bizarre and it doesn't seem like it would work, but there's something about it that just still always landed for me because I mean, like there's that one bit, for example, where, uh, he's, he's like, uh, having sex with like the, uh, I think it's like the, the prostitute woman that's part of the gang, I think. And everyone is watching her and the woman's just like, everyone, like everyone's watching us. You sure you want to do this? And he, and and he looks up at them and he goes, after I screw her and he's inside of her, he's like, I'm going to screw you. (laughs) (laughs) They just all watch from their rooms in absolute horror. That's a very aggressive move. Yeah, that's a, that'll do it. It doesn't actually, but (laughs) you think it would. That's just such like a unique combination of ideas that I wouldn't have thought to ever Put and together. I'm pretty sure this is his second like, move. So he jumps from karaoke to having sex with a prostitute in front of a bunch of people. I'm like, and then he a few more steps bombs, in between is, that. You know, I don't know. Chem- like a chemical attack, basically. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. And then he's like, I'm getting rid of the unwanted pests. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and there's something cool, about, dude. oh, absolutely not. But there's, once again, there's just something about the tone and then the way that he performs it that still brings like a sense of comedy to it even it's though really he's doing some xenophobic. terrible things it's xenophobic <laughs> but it's very net xenophobia <laughs> yeah right because yes. it, it feels just like a larger allegory for stuff that really sucks like when you look at yeah, like yeah. Japanese xenophobic history you're like that makes you squirm a little bit you're horrified yeah. and then but watching it in again what should be like just a such a small scale on <laughs> yeah, like you is, know this is 10 people on, on one floor on like what otherwise building. would just be like, well, like quirky neighborly as like a, disputes. As like a experiment, <laughs> translate this story to America right now. That'd be fucking horrific. <laughs> yeah. Well, and especially when he walks through all the people and he's like, why are you guys here? And the one guy's like, well, you guys got discos. You guys got like Disneyland. Yeah. <laughs> you guys got like jobs. I like jobs. We don't want to leave. We got work you like here. opportunity. Yeah, and he was like, I'm studying here. And like, meanwhile, he's just pacing back and forth, like wielding a chainsaw, <laughs> yelling about like ghosts. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then like, when and they were like, yeah, these people are the crazy God, people. Yeah. We, yeah. 
when he comes like when his brother comes back and like I have the, the blade of the Japanese people. I am the spirit of Japan. I'm gonna kill these foreigners and this ghost. Like And doesn't the, the sword break? So. And he's like <laughs> Oh, I guess it wasn't that strong after all, <laughs> or something like that. Oh yeah, yeah, that was good. Yeah, and and we, we should mention too, Otomo's filmmaking here. I mean, from what I could see, I do wish yeah. I had a higher quality version to I would see love some of the more of the choices that he quality, was making. Yeah. But I did get broadly like a really bizarre, like claustrophobic sense yeah. of space. And from For what sure. I understood, I looked, I, I did find a little bit of info about that they actually built this um, apartment set. Oh, so they they, cool. they designed oh. it from like the ground up basically, um, because they really wanted to push like these wide angle lenses and this really shallow focus through it um, and they wanted it to feel like in yeah, like, you really like you get a, crushed like a, inside a, of it by the end of the movie you have a real sense of the location yeah oh yeah well, and, and again the way that the like there's the off kilter like camera moves to it too where it like kind of like dollies through and it creates this atmosphere of something just kind of like being off and especially um, when you combine like the way that Sabu moves through the apartment with like this incredibly heightened, like comic performance. Okay, he's, yeah. like yeah. a, he's like a shark. He's just like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That's just felt like there was like this kind of like manic, like frustration to it and like a paranoia almost a little bit, but also oh. he does eventually his frustration reveals a little bit of a vulnerability. I mean, as the movie progresses, he eventually ends up siding with the foreigners against the like, actual the cosmic journey and nationalism world of basically have the same ending. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Basically. Because Which is, you know, the world coming together. Yeah. It's, I guess that is the theme. Also it has to be said, great opening uh, sequence going around, uh, you know, downtown Tokyo. Oh, yeah. Just cameras zooming in on foreigners working and like people on vacation and shit. Yeah, just yeah. kind of like establish that tone. You know? Yeah, because they want to say that like these are the normal people basically, like living everyday life in Japan. Right. Yeah. And those, those are who these people are. But he's treating them like they're like they're pests. Yeah. yeah Insects. Exactly vermin. Like that. Yeah. yeah, exactly like that. Like, um, he, like he is the horror of like there's a ghost, but the real horror is, you know, xenophobia. And he's the horror. Yeah, well, and then also the ghost comes back and reveals himself to be, like, some, like, weird, like, ancient nationalist uh, <laughs> spirit that possesses the brother, right? Because he even puts on, like, oh, the yeah. outfit and everything like that. Yeah. He has the sword. He has, like, the uh, sort of, like, uh, Mishima uh, shit. I, said, I don't know if he was po- – he wasn't, he wasn't possessed. He just, like, lost his mind. Oh, he wasn't possessed? Yeah, I thought he was actually he- getting possessed by, like, the uh, – by like a oh, spirit no, was, from the mask or whatever. Well, that, that, that's actually one thing I found a little odd about the movie. Oh, yeah. The horror elements, I didn't quite get the connection as much as oh, yeah. everything else. Like, was there maybe just something I was missing there? Or because we just, like you just mentioned it. And Those it were seems, not great subtitles. Yeah. Oh, it was. Oh, because you think it's mostly in the subtitles that, that it would little. be explained a little more. Just because I didn't get the connection between the ghost and, and everything else, if like if he wasn't possessed, then especially. Well, so see, yeah, was, see, that was that was the read that I got on it because he was talking like straight up, like as if he, I thought he was like straight up out of like another time. Like I mm, thought he was like well, a, he, like, was, he was talking like I, you know, he's like it'd be like me saying like I've been possessed by Uncle Sam, and Uncle <laughs> Sam tells me. To okay. get you warn us the fuck out of here. Okay, okay. See, that that's makes what more that sense. situation was. So, yeah. so what does the ghost represent then in the rest of the film? Well, so the, so so the ghost then is actually just the spirit of the woman who was the, killed due to xenophobia, sister, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. Right. Because she killed I, I herself because that, so of plot. abuse. Right. And she's the one getting back at like the yakuza. Right. Basically. 
says there's, you know, the spirit of the dead girl, like the Yakuza boss and the insane nationalistic ex-caretaker all coming together. Uh, kill, you know, they kill each other. They get stuck, you know, the ghost is stuck at the end of the hallway. And the movie ends with them all making, you know, like Sabu has moved into the apartment with them and they're all making fried rice and having, having a good time. Yeah. yeah. But at the end, wasn't there also, because he finds that demonic painting or whatever. Mm-hmm. And at the end, I was almost certain. On the wall. I heard, yeah. yeah, it's on the wall. And I also thought I heard like within the audio, there was some like some screaming of some kind going on. Oh, that was, that was the, um, the ghosts, uh, the Yakuza boss and the dead, uh, Ah, insane brother. Okay. Who they are in the, who are now haunting the apartment building. That's what they painted up in the wall to keep them in there. Oh, right. Cause that's why he, they they died as like bits of the apartment were like crumbling around them and stuff like that. I mean, Otomo really, because we have that amazing sequence, those like light beams coming out of the windows and stuff. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. I mean, he he just seems to love ending his films on like the idea of kind of like the cosmic horror that (laughs) mankind has like brought on itself. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, this one is like this cosmic horror, but then they have like a nice fried rice breakfast. Oh yeah. They were like, we defeated (laughs) it. Yeah. A little mix. Yeah. (laughs) They were, they were, they were like, uh, this Yakuza became a little more tolerant. (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah, and like he was—he's in there taking a crap in like the bathroom door that he he taped together after he chainsawed it up and scared yeah. him away. <laughs> yeah, again, it kind of returns to again that kind of like small scale, like just neighborly etiquette thing. Yeah. Again, again, it's it, yeah. it, it, it's using the idea of you know a culture clash or like neighborly uh, dispute etiquette type story that you would see like goddamn what the, the Seth Rogen movie neighbors like that <laughs> yeah. but he's you using- saying neighbors is very funny to yeah me, just that connection yeah. <laughs> that's hilarious but wasn't there like a, a John Belushi Ackroyd movie called neighbor too what was that movie fuck oh I can't remember god damn it oh, sorry go ahead sorry <laughs> but you know, using still mining like really, really serious like ideas and 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 themes through it about you know, um, you know, uh, colonial brutalism and and, and xenophobia um, of a pre World War War Two Japan, especially the history of Japan. Um, Neighbors. So see, it was called. Sorry, it was called Neighbors. His last movie. Sorry, it was, it was just called Neighbors as well. Oh, it's wow. called Neighbors. Lock the door. Here come the neighbors. <laughs> <laughs> Not a good movie. Oh damn! <laughs> but yeah, I think maybe we'll we'll enter final thoughts on this one and reductive rating round. For me, this gets this gets a solid four too. Um, I I really did take to Otomo's um, use of sort of a, again a, a microcosm of sort of like a collapsing society again under the weight of uh, you know sort of like nationalist rhetoric um, and specifically again the way that he creates this bizarre like claustrophobic space of the apartment and fills it with just like this you know cartoon comic energy to it and like uh, you know a, a, a very sort of like ambitious like manic paranoia and frustration that I, I thought I thought really worked like like really setting out and hammering home like every miscommunication yeah. as like a joke but also like those mi- miscommunications are like people talking about killing each other yeah it's um, only gonna lead to destruction yeah like it, it just gives you this kind of like off-putting uh comedic vibe that I, I was 
at the time I was like frequently like, oh, that's so silly. Like I'm sitting there laughing out loud and then I'm going, wait, he's talking about, yeah, all right, no, that's yeah, freaky. I almost feel like it's trying to do that where it's saying like, like this, th- what he's doing is here this is, funny? is almost silly. Like it is funny because yeah. it's so, you know, stupid and outlandish absurd, yeah. or whatever. But the fact that this is a real thing that people like, believe if, if makes you feel a, uncomfortable if he wasn't a about nap, it. That some of be, these attitudes do yeah. drive actual right. violence in the world, right? right. So, yeah, it's, it, it's interesting. And I, I there I was did, like even some slight like uncomfortable laughs that this movie brought, which was which was cool <laughs> to see. Like things where you know it, it is a bit gross, but right. you're just kind of it's so bizarre that you that you that you laugh. Yeah, and I mean, I also like that this involves uh, like evil spirits. It involves yeah. people wielding chainsaws, <laughs> katanas. Um, yeah, so like, and so you know, I how could I not love a movie that does that stuff? Like, so. I would, I would say uh, four point three five seven. Oh damn! Yeah. Nice. Look at that's really exact. <laughs> nice. I like this. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know, like it's. It, I, I feel like more people should. This is one more people should see. It's a movie by the guy who made people who made Akira, like Perfect Blue, Paprika, like Cowboy Bebop. It's in. It's like I really enjoy a movie with a really unsubtle metaphor, <laughs> like really surface level. But like, like also like really it. visually accomplished and actually like committing to it too. Yeah. Because like sometimes, oh, sometimes I'll roll my eyes at something that heavy handed. But like yeah, at the same yeah. time, I'm watching this one and I'm like, yeah, but he really like leans into it, like to the right. point where like it, it, it's like of peace with it. Like you can't yeah. separate it at all. Yeah. Uh, it's it's like bogus journey, you know. If the, you you feel the sincerity behind the filmmaking. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Exactly. Totally. All right. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a, a four. Um, I was gonna give it the three just because of the the quality I saw. I was some things just didn't you know translate translate bit, as, yeah. as much uh, as I I would like them to. But after the conversation, you know, you guys have clarified a few things. For yeah, me. Oliver actually clarified a few points for me yeah, too. So. Yeah, So it, it feels just like I have a, a better understanding of of the film. It grew on, um, it grew on you a bit. Yeah, well, exactly. well, and I would say just being able to like understand some of the subtitles a little bit better. Yeah, like, like I feel like yeah. some of the scenes, some of the jokes need you to understand what's actually being said in those scenes. Exactly. There was, there was definitely one scene like, in there that uh, Jamie and I both. I'm gonna check out the quality of my uh, my Kim's video version. Yeah, you got to be a hero. You got you got to put that up for like everyone. A VLC yes, please. Version. Do you remember the VLC? Was the that? VLC was like the Hong Kong bootleg DVD. It was like a much. It was like maybe 240p oh. or something. No, no, uh, we couldn't find anything. We had to like, we, yeah, we the tried. YouTube was the only one. We that tried we really find. hard. Why? Yeah, our, See, our, that, like this is a cool movie. That's a shame. This should be. Yeah. This should be like Criterion. Just make one. Please. Yeah, Criterion. What's up, Dogs? <laughs> Spine One Thousand. We're still waiting. Or, I guess yeah. no. By the time everyone's heard this, they probably announced what Spine One Thousand is. But <laughs> yeah, uh, but but for the most part, those uh, it's, fucks over at the Criterion silo. They need to get this <laughs> shit together. <laughs> Come on. Um, like, don't do, like yeah. Come on. But yeah, I, I think what really just did this for me was that the leading man's physical comedy performance is unbelievably good. Like he he's just a sporadic force of nature this entire time going doing everything from shitty karaoke to having sex with a prostitute to try to get these people out of here. Just it, it goes into so, so many places that are both, all time. Yeah, yeah. Just, you can feel him just like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. And it's like this this. I feel like he's gonna like explode through the some camera of the film sometimes. Brings, like, but still finds a way to make it comedic and also sensitive to the subject matter that it's dealing with. 
Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm going to give it a four, but I would really love to see a version of this that's that's just better. Cause yeah, I, come I, on, show, show so, factory, some of someone the stuff get on there. just someone... didn't translate, I think, because of the no, YouTube I version I saw. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, maybe maybe when they start doing ramping up new Akira content, they'll go do through a filmography and they'll like uh, a lot of time. That's when they start making finding old prints. I don't know, like they've been doing Akira shit yeah. for years, and just nobody will touch this. It's it's too weird. Interesting. So I, oh, also I noting it. here, I just reading now uh, that Sabu actually won Best New Actor at the uh, Yokohama Film Festival, which is the Japanese film festival. Oh, cool! So when this and when this movie came out, so it recognized they recognized the quality of his performance the year it came out. He got oh, it for this good. movie. For this movie, holy shit, that's crazy! Yeah, wow, that's awesome. <laughs> so well, yeah, his performance was unbelievable. It's a, so it's a good definitely you, the, the standout performance. You should check out some of the movies that Sabu directed too. Like yeah. I do. Is there any any major recommendations for checking out Sabu stuff? Oh, let me see. There's one. What was it called? A one hundred one two K. I think that was a short film about this robot guy flipping his shit out in Tokyo. <laughs> cool. I remember. I really like kind of cyberpunk. Like love little Sukamoto esque, maybe a little bit. If I remember correctly, yeah. Wow, it looks like he's still directing films. He had a film come out in 2017 called Mr. Long. With Chang oh, Chen in it. Oh, he had one. Sick. Chang Chen rules. Oh, Great and direct, and he, Yeah, yeah. Shit. Damn, he's still oh, at yeah. it. I'm going to go have to go and check out some of his stuff. For sure. All right, well, I think that will wrap right. it up for this week's episode. That was Bill and Ted Bogus Journey and World Apartment Horror, both films from the year 1991. Oh, yeah. Sorry for my, like, sort of uncollected thoughts about these films. But. <laughs> oh, we do it, too. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> That's right. the show. Yeah, our, our, our bonus episodes where we don't go with guests, a lot of them get a little crazy. <laughs> yeah. we, we go on tangents. Um, <laughs> but, Oliver, this is the part of the show where if you've got anything uh, to plug, you can do it right here. Uh, I don't got shit. <laughs> you don't got shit? You got a Twitter Website, account. Website, Twitter, least. anything? Yeah. Uh, yeah, Twitter's fine. Where, You'll find me, you know. Yeah, he's Patoon. You where, yeah. where, where can people find your art anywhere? Uh, oh, website, uh, OliverLeach.com, L-E-A-C-H, like Robin Leach style. Cool. Sweet. That's sort of a dump for it, but yeah, this was fun, <laughs> boys. Thanks for having me on. No, thanks oh, for coming course. on. Thanks yeah, for bringing these, these awesome. films. I was really glad to watch both Bill and Ted movies and to get a, a, a deep cut like that. A lot of time we don't. Uh, have, we uh, always love when we see a letterbox uh, look on Letterbox and there's like a hundred people that saw the film. So yeah, because I don't know if you use Letterbox, but it's it's really good for organizing film uh, catalogs and yeah. stuff like that. And like you'll find lots of films there I'm that come out. That is hundred like, <laughs> low? Is hundred lower is high? Well, I was going to say low. yeah, like you'll you'll oh, find low. you'll find like movies logged by like hundreds of thousands of people kind of deal. Yeah. Uh, uh, oh, that's, that's a shame. More people should watch. This. So yeah, Absolutely. one, 100 people on Letterboxd have logged, uh, I think World it's Department also Horror. just the accessibility to it. Like most films. So hard, find so in this one. Yeah. Yeah. It's gotta be out there yeah. somewhere. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, for sure. I was actually going to f- figure out where exactly that was on our, uh, popularity scale because I'm trying to think the least popular one we did, I think was like pretty in the sixties. Yeah. It was pretty close to that. It's close though. Yeah. You're in probably like top five most obscure yeah. films that you brought on. So congratulations. Yeah. Our, our, like, our most obscure like one you, there's one you told me not to do. It's so too obscure. I forget what it was. When we were sort of planning on which I was going to do. Yeah, we were. So Red Spirit Lake, the shot on video one, <laughs> yeah. actually has just marginally less than this by like 10 people have wow. seen it less. And then the Stella Shorts, oh, only yeah, 75 yeah. people have logged right. those. So 
All right. Well, I think for our listeners in one week's time, you guys get your bonus episode coming up. And that is going to be a John Frankenheimer double Ooh. feature. What 60s, a double feature. Uh, formerly inventive paranoia thrillers, the classic Manchurian Candidate from 1962 starring Frank Sinatra, and the uh, 1966 follow-up Seconds. Yes, please with, watch these guys. They're so Yeah, please good. watch them before listening to that episode. <laughs> so good. Because Seconds, uh, both of these were first-time watches for me. And, and they're dense movies, and, too. And, uh, yeah, we really liked both, and Seconds absolutely blew my mind. Yeah. Uh, especially yeah. the uh, Rock Hudson performance uh, oh, in that second, film. Seconds fucking rules. Yeah, <laughs> it's if unreal. Shit, you absolutely need to watch Seconds. Yeah, yeah. As, as soon as I saw that this was going to be sort of like a body horror identity thriller from 1966... Uh, and I, I started realizing what it was and then I went and researched Rock Hudson and I found out that he was a closeted gay man for his entire yeah, career dude. and he was just wait till you hear the yeah. episode there's some <laughs> awesome shit I'm, I was mind blown by the performance of uh-huh. what it really means yeah and all like that. for real just crazy it's so um, so that's what you can expect for uh, your bonus episode. Again, patreon.com slash Lizoid's podcast for that episode. But in two weeks' time, the whole reason we're doing this episode, we're setting it up. We have Will Menneker of the Chapel Trap House podcast coming on, Yee. and he is bringing with him two more John Frankenheimer films. <laughs> Beauty. Uh, Ronin, 1998. <laughs> <starring> <laughs> that's Robert what we like to hear. De Niro. <laughs> and we are going to be pairing it with uh, another John Frankenheimer car movie, Grand Prix. Hell yeah. Three hours oh, yeah. of Formula One, Which I believe one, was baby. 1967 or 1968, but is a three-hour movie about Formula One, which, thanks, Will. <laughs> yeah. We fucking, we, we, we love when guests bring on, like, 90-minute movies and stuff like that. It just makes our lives so much easier. Will's just I've like, let's double Grand Prix. <laughs> and about Formula One. I'm, I'm stoked. It's got to be good if it's a three-hour movie. It'll, it, it'll be prepped for that uh, Ford v. Ferrari movie coming out sometime this year. Oh, I forget yeah. when. I think I saw it's going to TIFF, so I might see it there. I actually. forgot about we'll that. See, one, that yeah. see how that plays out. Uh, either way, that's what you can expect in two weeks' time for uh, all listeners. And I think that wraps it up for everything there. Thanks, as always, for listening, guys. And keep it sleazy. Keep it sleazy.